Um, Channel 10. <laughs> Hello, Channel 10 podcast listeners. We have a bit of a public service announcement. If you listen on our iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, we need you guys to subscribe and like and rate and comment. Uh, by doing that, you help us to reach a greater audience, get the numbers up, and um, allow us to keep delivering this dope content to you. So um, please go and do that. Rate, subscribe, listen on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Also, as always, this episode is brought to you by Audible. Through Audible, you can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial by going to audibletrial.com slash channel 10. There you'll have over 180,000 audiobook uh, titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player device. Um, If you like listening to podcasts, you'll definitely like listening to um, such a wide selection of audiobooks that are out there. And also, as always, go check out channel10podcast.com where you can find all of our episodes, um, our articles, and also you can find all of our social media contacts to hit us up on there. And also you can support the podcast by shopping through our Amazon link, which is uh, at the top. So with no further ado, public service announcement over. Let's get into the show. We used to be like CNN Channel 10. And we used to think that people would catch on. No, but like, if you're not from Queens, <laughs> if you don't got Time Warner or whatever, <laughs> like, well, I didn't know that. Do it, yo. yo, what up, man? It's a different channel, son. What up, on, man? What up? Watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. It's all good. What up? All good, baby, in every hood, son. What up, yo? CNN, Network, Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo, crime lace, cast more beef than Scarface. CNN, Network, Channel 10, it's on again. Street niggas that's grown men, bold face, gather your face. Stay in place, yo. Call is now being recorded. Uh, so, yeah, so welcome back to the Channel 10 podcast. I'm here alongside, and um, my name is the almighty ARR Tick, and I'm here alongside Shangar Superior. Say what up to the people. What's going on? What's going on? And we have uh, two very special guests this evening. Uh, we have Chill Moody and we have Wes Manchild. Say what up to the people. What's going on? What's going on, y'all? And uh, they have the project out right now. TV made me do it. Um, yep. And they're representing Philly really hard. And I guess to start off, um, we usually start off like straight from the beginning, but um for this one i think let's start off with the project uh tv made me do it and um so just explain it a little bit uh, for the people and let them know um you know what was the impetus behind it and everything uh what you want me you want me to take that one uh yeah you can start it off all right so me and wes you know working you know as one producer one mc we kind of like you know work collaborative on projects and make the whole thing a cohesive type project, something you're going to enjoy listening to, but something that has a theme along with it. So in, you know, following with that, we had the concept of TV made me do it. I'm always hitting up West like, yo, you should sample the Wonder Years. You should sample a different world. You should sample something from Good Times. Like, and we always talking about like old school, nostalgic TV stuff and just like nostalgic stuff in general. So um, 
he just started sampling these joints. We started making these tracks, and it was like, yo, let's just put it all together for a project called the TV Made Me Do It. And then we, you know, linked it all in with the commercials and, you know, the little, um, just the commercial breaks during the, during the TV. The whole, the whole thing feels like you're watching TV when you're listening to the project, and it's going to take you back to them times, like, when TV was live, and it kind of meshes in with, you know, quote-unquote, when hip-hop was live. Mm. And um, with the project, like the hard copies we bought out, we bought out actual TV guides that come with the album. So it's like the old school, like, you know, Jet Magazine size TV guides and all the, the articles in there are the, um, are the lyrics to the album. So it's something for you to read along to. But it's just got a real, like, nostalgic, golden era hip-hop feel to it. Yeah, that's what's good. That's what I definitely um, noticed about the project. Now, when it comes to the uh, production, uh, Wes, um, when it came to sampling the the uh, themes and you know various things that you sampled, um, how were you able to to uh, dig for those joints and get them? Like, did you rip them off of YouTube, or how did you how did you do that? And and what was that whole process like? Um, for some of them, like for instance, the intro where I sampled. You know, the one the years theme. I mean, originally, that's the Joe Cocker song with a little help from my friend. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's basically something I already kind of had the arsenal. But the one the years is what brought that song to my attention. Uh, but some of the other ones did require some digging, you know, some other stuff, YouTube digging, things like that. It just, you know, tweaking it and making it sound good because sometimes it might not be the best quality and different things. And um, just flipping stuff. The main... Finding the samples wasn't the hardest thing. Basically, making them hard, like with good beats, and kind of flipping them in different ways is more of a challenge because I didn't want them to sound cheesy or nothing, mm-hmm. but I wanted right, to right. give it that edge to it. Mm-hmm. Now, like, because um, even like when channel surfing, um, I really like the way you flip the uh, the Brady Bunch joint. Yeah, and um, I'm thinking about like all of the um, like the different eras from uh, from TV that you know that you guys were sampling from the Brady Bunch, the '60s, Earl Martin, you know, the '90s, and Wonder Wonder Years, the '80s. And so I was curious to know that um, did you have to mix these different um, TV show themes um, in different ways based on like the different um, decades that they came from? Um, it really wasn't no particular decade like that Brady Bunch beat that was off something that uh, that I basically did before for Philly 360 it had another theme mm-hmm. to it and um, Chill actually brought that kind of to my idea and I just wanted to flip it and I, it's kind of hard I was throwing out a couple of different ideas but when I finally got it uh, it came together but a lot of the ones it wasn't by basically data it was just like me and Chill would just think about oh, which show was live oh that was live alright you should do that and it was basically they kind of just came organically. It wasn't like we planned it from this show's from the sixties, seventies, or eighties. It just was right. You know, what was dope. With within it, there are like a little bit of like intricacies. Like um, we got the commercial breaks that that's yeah. well, not the songs, the commercial breaks, but like the little skits that come in that are like little commercials or whatever. Yeah. And we got like the um the like Mike commercial. Yeah. You know, which was a real iconic commercial. But then we also got the Bo Nose commercial, which is like real iconic. But we got the snippet from Michael Jordan saying Bo Nose basketball. So it's like those two like blended together that way. But it's a lot of like like little Easter eggs throughout the album that um, you know, I had a lot of fun putting together Weston too, I'm sure. Yeah. A lot of stuff that Probably the casual person won't catch, but it's kind of like our own little nerd out type of thing to it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Realize how all the things go together. It's like, oh, damn, because it was stuff that we did that 
chill both of my attention as we ride around listen to it. I'm like, damn, I ain't even realized that. And he just got this little smirk on his face, like, yeah. <laughs> so that's my favorite shit. Yeah, it's stuff that I don't even catch on it. So it's it's all little hidden things out there. That's mm-hmm. what's up. Now, um now throughout the whole process, like were you guys in the studio together, like kind of co producing everything or um how did that uh you know process work? Because you guys seem like you have really good chemistry together. I think we did like recorded the project in maybe three sessions. Mm. Uh, we did one session with just me and Wes, with Wes engineering, and just Lee, like what I like to call the skeleton for the album. Mm. And you know, we figured out what we needed to fill in, figured out what we might need to take out or whatever, whatever. But we did that together, and we rode around to that for like maybe like a month, month and a half, just riding around to like what we thought might have been close to the final product. Mm-hmm. Then we, you know, took it to the to Milk Boy, um, producer named Joe Logic in Philly, or engineer named Joe Logic, and um, sat with him. And we, like I said, it was two sessions with him and just pretty much re-recorded everything. And then the post, like once all the songs were done, I kind of went in with like a bunch of like post-editing ideas. Like I can't produce or anything, but like I got a, a bunch of ideas like, you know, like the like mic commercials or like, um, you know, less the the... Um, sequencing of the songs and things like that so those things you know we sat and did together but other than that it was like two three sessions and a bunch of text conversations and stuff like that mm-hmm. now, now um, did, oh go ahead um, now so like uh, uh, with your whole writing process and um, everything uh, did you write some of these um, these songs while watching TV or anything like that or or, did, or um the songs that you made were these like thoughts that you just had watching while watching TV on um, a certain periods of time during uh, your during the every, time yeah, making this. Every, every drone is different, so you mean like uh-huh. um, something like a like a like a Hoist Gracie. He sent mm-hmm. that song to me, and it was just the beat. And I'm like, yo, I was just watching these old Hoist Gracie highlights. Like, yo, he really was the livest MMA fighter. I'm gonna make this song called. I'm gonna you know I'm gonna name this song Hoist Gracie, and I kind of like embody that whole. You know, he a, he, a, he a slim boy, he a little boy, but he'll fuck something up. And I want to show them that on this beat. Like, you know, some people might, you know, think something different because sometimes I, you know, do some shit for the ladies or whatever, whatever. But on this one, I want to go, I want to go in, you know, don't judge a book by its cover type thing. And that was the whole, you know, embodying what Hoist Gracie was about kind of. Ain't nobody could fuck with him at the end of the day. So, like, things like that, I'm, you know, watching highlights and thinking of things like that as I'm writing them. But then other joints, it was just like, you know, self-explanatory. Like, all right, this goes along with the song. Let me write that. Like the the Whitley Gilbert joint. It was like, mm. you know, guy meets girl. The girl's kind of bougie. The guys either from the hood or just not, you know, necessarily up to her standards. But, you know, he's still fucking with her, so he's trying to get her. And you know, mm. so every every joint we approach approach different. That's what's good. And um, when it comes to like your writing style, like um. One thing about Philly that I always appreciated is that Philly is like the home of the spitters. Like, mm-hmm. there's sure. very few rappers that come out that just aren't just with the bars and everything like that. And um, I was wondering, like, you know, just with your style in general, um, you know, you go in, but then your style is a little bit different to me as well. And um, like how you said with the Hoist Gracie joint, like, you just kind of wanted to do the uh, go in thing and I was wondering like with you coming up and everything how was your style like influenced by Philly 
and like um like like were you involved in like the battle scene or you know um what type of artists did you encounter when you were coming up and things of that nature well during that whole like battle scene dvd scene like that era of philly rap i was in college so i was away at school uh-huh. and you know i was still you know writing rhymes or whatever writing rhymes like forever but i wasn't in like engulfed in that era so I was, you know, writing around, but I'm writing songs and I'm trying to perform and I'm trying to get on college radio. And, you know, I got different goals in mind. I'm not trying to be on a DVD. So I kind of missed that era. But when I got back to Philly, it was like, all right, I've been rhyming a little bit in college. Let me really, you know, put my feet to the ground with this. And I was I'm not going to say a step above everybody, but I was in a different lane automatically than everybody, because everybody was either still with that DVD battle mindset or just getting out of it. And I was, you know, never in it. So I'm, I got out of, I graduated college in 2009 and I was on the radio in Philly by 2010, like with songs I was recording in the basement at my pops crib, just because I, you know, understood how to make a song and how to format stuff and, you know, how to censor myself when need be and things like that. Whereas, you know, other guys didn't even care about, I guess, the whole business of it, because what, what turns out to be the business of it, they didn't really care about that. So I, I feel like I always stood out in that in that aspect and it wasn't like a conscious decision it was just the environment i was in mm. now um one thing that um i've you know been impressed with is your uh your business sense and your acumen i mean your resume is uh is is very extensive i probably didn't Appreciate even it. see everything that you did and uh, one thing that we were wondering is what was your major in college uh i originally i was a psych major and mm-hmm. I fucked all of that up, and then I, uh, <laughs> yo, Wes laughed at the story all the time. I tell him the story all the time. Like I went, I went to college on a full academic scholarship, mm. and lost that shit within a semester, and <laughs> to, flipped my major around. It was like this psych shit ain't for me. So I, um, I graduated with a degree in speech communications, okay. uh, public relations mm. as an option. Okay, but I always had like you know I always wanted to do marketing or advertising or things like that. Like, I always just like thinking outside the box and putting together ideas and just you know do just doing fly shit that's what's up and uh west you went to college in uh, atlanta right yeah i went to clark atlanta okay okay what was your west major went to hillman he went to hillman <laughs> <laughs> i mean <laughs> i mean they film that down to ac the scenes from right. uh world and all that mm-hmm. but um now i went down there my experience i mean i'm surprised she bust out like a, i'm an old uh joke yet but uh I went to school. Don't even start, man. <laughs> but I <went laughs> you heard to yeah, I knew you was about to start. But I went to school um, down there basically at like a, a weird – well, I think it was probably the best time because I went to school down there from 96 to 2001. Mm-hmm. So that's basically – I was there for when the South first blew up. Like mm-hmm. when the P and No Limit and all that blew up, that was my freshman year. Like my first day in school, AT Aliens came out. Mm-hmm. So. Damn. Yeah, that's my first day in college. So I was there for that era. I seen the hot boys start. Like, I seen all the origin of what hip-hop is now then. And it was kind of, you know, the end of the whole East and West beef and everything. So it, I think I went to school during the best time as far as the era. But it also shaped some of my musical influence because when I went down there, I was just super, super backpack boy. <laughs> and... I mean, I still kind of embodied a lot of that, but I also started to appreciate other different sounds and styles, and I've seen kind of where everything originated as far as what we have now. 
Mm. Yeah, you, you know, if I had to say with your production style, it seems like with your percussion, it seems kind of, you know, Southern-esque, for lack of a better word, you know, like especially with um with uh, commercial break and how you, how you do everything like that. Yeah, because um, my main thing, I come from the era, you know, straight 90s, you know, digging in the crates, primo, um, you know, even later on with the Alchemist and other things like that. Um, but I always say like, that's my style. I love, you know, the sampling, the chopping, everything, but I always said the reason a lot of dudes fall into that super, super boom, bad lane. And sometimes they stuff sound dated is because they, their drums are real old and super boom. Mm -hmm. And my whole thing Mm -hmm. was, I still, I embody that style as far as the sample, everything in the soulful sound, but I modernize it and spruce up the drums to give it a modern edge. And that's my whole thing. Like a bonding both uh, one of the people actually really influenced me when i was down it was three six mafia because mm-hmm. they use all those soulful samples with crazy 808s and even organized noise and all that so that kind of shaped the way uh, i produced in some other ways now, um, now oh i was gonna say like now i remember like you know when i went to college you know when i first went um I was straight, you know, most deaf to live quietly and all of that type of stuff. And then once I finally got there, I remember this one particular moment when everything changed. And I was in a house party and uh, I think the little wheel joint bust that pussy open and I tell her bring it back came on. And that just changed my whole um, <laughs> my whole like 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 mind frame when it came to hip hop. So I was wondering if you had one of those particular moments or if it was like a gradual process. The thing that changed my mindset, I remember my freshman year, because first time I heard Master P, I was like, what the hell is this bullshit? Right. And my boys from Savannah <laughs> were just bugging out. Like at, it, was, it was weird. It was like some daytime cookout thing that Big Chicken was hosting. That could tell you how dated this was. <laughs> we first started Rev City, and we went to this party at Morris Brown. They had like an all-night party, and Morris Brown was like the ghetto school of the AUC. And they put on um, Break You Off something with UGK and Master P and all that. And when I seen all these niggas just go crazy, what I call it, the Southern Mosh Pit Circle, and how I reacted, I was like, damn, this stuff is real. Like, that really changed it. That, when the first time I saw uh, them play Tater Club up in a, in a party, mm. and they literally mm. almost tore the whole gym up. Like, it went crazy. So I was like, oh, this, this Southern stuff is serious. Like, it was really about to take over. And that's why I started kind of paying attention to it more. Now, uh, what do you use to make? Um, I use uh, FL Studio. I still use FL Studio, but um, I kind of use other little plugins, and I chop a lot of my samples up using um, the Akai MPD pad, kind of give it the MPC feel to it. Mm. Mm. Cool. And you know, just try to flip it in certain ways. I mean, I got Logic, but I really don't mess around with it because I'm just like whatever works for me. I I'll rock out with that. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, um, now, you guys, uh, you guys linked off of uh, MySpace, correct? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that just sounds so funny every time right. I say that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I remember those days, too. Um, now, uh, can you, like, detail that story of how, like, you guys connected and everything like that? Uh, his homie, his homie D had reached out to us, um, it was myself, an MC named Antoine Davis, and another MC named Boogie Mandela, and a producer named Hank McCoy. And together we were, you know, the establishment. That was the group. And they were on the way 
back from Atlanta. Um, Wes and D, they, they, they lived in Atlanta at this time, and they were coming back to Philly, or they might already have been back in Philly, but they had spent some time in Atlanta. And um, we're kind of looking for some Philly, some Philly cats that was doing it, but that had, like, the style that they thought would carry us into what they call Philly 3.0. So you think of Philadelphia International and Gambling Huff and all of that as the first phase of Philly. Um, and that might can go all the way up to like maybe like a Will Smith. And then you take in the roots and then you take like the second stage is like the state prop era and all of that. They were looking for, you know, Philly 3.0, P3. And they reached out to us and um, reached out to Antoine Davis actually and start fucking with his music. He com- he comes to me and was like, yo, these dudes hit me up on the MySpace from Atlanta. And I'm like, that's a scam. Who the fuck are these guys? Like, <laughs> was, uh, whatever. They corny. Whatever. And um, then they sent us a song. And me- remember, Wes, we were just listening to this joint the other day. They sent us a song from one of their artists. And Hank, who wasn't the rapper, he's a producer. I'm like, Hank, you should, you should get on this verse. Because I was still being an asshole. Like, I don't think these guys are serious. So we wrote this funny-ass verse for Hank. <laughs> and he sends it back to him. It's got, like, Gucci Man ad-libs and all kinds of, like, ignorant, like, just dumb shit. And um, I guess they thought we, they knew we was playing or whatever. And then, um, then I started hearing West Beats. And I got to meet them. And I was like, oh, no, these guys kind of just like us. Like, they cool as shit. So... We just all clicked like that. And um, me and Wes got together on a project called West Chili. And that was the first project we did together. And then and we were doing a bunch of records after that. It's, it's funny because the first, the intro on West Chili is a song called The Price Is Nice, which he sampled the um, The Price Is Right theme mm. song. And, you know, he's in the beginning. This is Wes Williams, Chill Moody, come on down. So it's like we've been on that TV shit like since we linked for the first yeah. time. Mm. Which is kind of weird. <laughs> I mean, it gives us something to uh, really like uh, connect on. Um, I remember back in the day, like watching TV Land. I don't know if y'all watched that, mm-hmm. but um, you know, I was a big fan of like everything going back to like I Love Lucy and Taxi and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, and um, so you know, I definitely appreciate the project on that level. Um, so like like uh, before y'all met, like chill. Um, when you first started rapping, like like how did that? How did that begin? Like, like when did you start writing and everything like that? It's a, it's a lot of answers to that. Like, when I first started rapping, it was, like, third grade. And, you know, I was rapping in talent shows in third grade and shit like that. But when I started, like, rapping, like, professionally, like, making money for it, it was, like, towards the end of college. Um, in my first show, I got $15, and we bought cookies and 40 ounces, and we was good. Like, I was, I was, I was a professional rapper at that point. My people that came out to the show... And that was that. But I was like, I wasn't, I wasn't whack, but I was rapping about some bullshit. Like I was lying and I was selling this and killing that and all of this other bullshit. And my cousins always told me, cause I like originally rhymed to fit in with my big, my older cousins. Mm-hmm. And, um, they just sat me down when they was like, yo, you lyrically are there, but that's not you. Like you got a scholarship. Like you, you know, you, that's not you. Like you're not selling this. You're not shooting it. Like, so be you. And, um, that kind of changed everything for me. So going into college and, you know, on the way out of college was when, like, everything really picked up. Mm-hmm. So, like, did you um, always know that this was your path and that this is what was going to be your thing that was going to take you, you know, I guess past a regular job or something like that? Um, I always knew I ain't want no regular job. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a worker. 
Um, <laughs> but I also always know I wanted to work in music. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, originally I wanted to be like an A&R or, a, you know, an artist manager or something. Boogie Mandela, um, one of my favorite MCs in the city who was part of the establishment, like that's my favorite rapper. So I just wanted to manage Boogie. And Boogie was like, yo, you know you can rap too. You might as well just rap with me because that's my, that's my little cousin. So he was like, yo, you might as well rap with me. We do some family shit with it. But um, I just always wanted to be behind the scenes. Mm. And it just so happened that rap picked up for me to enable me to make enough money and everything to pay my bills. And now I can go behind the scenes and do things like I just you know, started the label and things like that. So it was just a matter of time before I went back to what I originally wanted to do. Mm. Mm. And, and, and Boogie Mandela, he's on um, he's on Casey Jones, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That uh, that, that beat is crazy. But uh, uh, what about you, Wes? Um, when did you first start making beats? Um, it's kind of weird because in college I used to um, like DJ. Like my roommates were DJs. I mean, they went on to you know be uh the affiliates and the academy, like you know, drama and sense and all those. Those are my boys back in school. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, me and DJ Sims were roommates. Like we lived together for three years. And his equipment was always in there, so I, I actually started DJing while I was in college. My first attempt at beats were actually just going, come home for the summer, going to Sims' his mom' basement, taking old records back because I always had that ear for old music because I was always in the samples even before I made beats. And I would just like have breakbeat records and just use the Gemini sampler, the mixer, the eight second sampler, and just sample different parts and put break beats to it so that was in college then my other roommate had an mp uh so i started messing around with that but never really got into it so i always kind of had an air for like worked on a little bit of stuff but it was mainly probably like around when i really fully fully started going into it like probably like around oh four oh five like basically when fruity loops people started getting on the fruity loops after I found out that Knife wanted to use that program, I was like, oh. Because <laughs> Lil Brother was like the end-all, be-all when they first came out with the listen. And I was like, finally. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I making my type of music that I want to hear. Yep. And I found out where he made those beats mm-hmm. on. I was like, all right, let me try this out. And the f- my first ever beat I tried, I sampled. I still remember. I didn't even, even try to play around with the plugins. I was like, what program can I do? And I sampled the Silvers. Uh, we can make it. And that was... Chopped it up very first try. And from then on, I just been, you know, rocking out with all the different versions. I started with like version three back in the day. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah we all started on version three, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. So, no, that, going back to that, um, that Casey Jones drink, though, how Boogie got yeah. on that, like, that's another one of them, like, little Easter eggs we threw in there. Like, the whole concept was like, you remember Casey Jones from the Ninja Turtles or whatever? He always just came in fuck shit up and then he left like it was like a spinoff like that one episode was just always about him so that was kind of the whole idea with getting boogie to come on there because it's like you know this beat is like something different than i would do it's like let's just put boogie on it but let's only put boogie on it like this whole this whole episode right here is about him and he come through and do his casey jones one two and then he just dip right out in and out hmm now, when it comes to um, your label that you started, is he one of the um, artists that you have? No, no, no. Right now, we um, actually just signed our first artist. Uh, it's an artist. Her name's Rachel Wong. That's like exclusive information. Like the contract actually just went out today. But uh, <laughs> name Rachel, her name Rachel, Rachel Wong. She's a um, 
don't know how to describe her sound. It's like popish, but it's like soul. But it, it, it's some dope shit. I'll um, I'll email y'all the track. Oh, cool. Um, when we get off get off the line, but um, she got a project coming out called Getting There later later this year, maybe in like probably in like the next month. But um, mm-hmm. other, it's it's just a digital nice things music. It's um digital distribution label through iTunes and all digital platforms. But it's like you know, originatedly originated through iTunes. So just mm-hmm. a way to kind of like build some infrastructure back in city. So back in the city of Philly, so people ain't got to necessarily always got to leave Philly to make it or leave Philly to go get a deal. Like you can actually come to Philly to get a deal. Um, and that's that's just was my whole my whole plan behind all of that. Mm-hmm. And um, and this is all in in uh, in house production uh with our album going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, the whole project was produced by Joe Logic, who's the engineer of um the guy that engineered and recorded uh TV made me do it. Joe Logic and um a producer named Dilemma out of Philly. Okay. Now um now you're the uh, music ambassador of Philly. Yeah. Okay. How did that come about? Uh, Councilman Councilman David O. Um, which is one of councilmen here started an initiative or reached out to me to um, start an, an, an initiative called PHL Live, which is kind of like a battle with the bands meets like, I don't know, it's like an award show, but it's like a battle with the bands. But it, I don't know, it's just it's just some something that he put together where it's like every genre of music can get involved and we just really just trying to uplift the city and show what talent we have in the city. So it reached out to me to kind of be like the heir to the streets, more or less, uh, you know, making sure all the artists were taken care of, making sure that the right artists were involved and making sure the word was out to the right people. So we had press conference at City Hall and they, you know, named me as a Philly, Philadelphia music ambassador. And that was like, I guess like two years ago. Yeah, because we're in the second year of PHL Live now. Mm. Now, um, now, like looking at your interviews, you know, uh, I see that you're very uh, Philly centered and about your city. Um, what is it about the city that that really uh, captivates you? Because I know that you know, like like, like a lot of people, they want to get out of the city that they're from, and it's like, yo, I gotta get out and run. But but you you you're firmly grounded there, and you want to stay. And you know, um, uh, where does that come from? I think it's my upbringing, really. And nobody never really asked me that. I'm thinking now, like, but I think it's my upbringing. Like, I, w- I went to Overbrook, Overbrook, you know, was home of Wilt Chamberlain, Will Smith. Right. So I'm coming up under these guys, like, you know, or you know, seeing that they went here or whatever. Guy on Bluefield, just like knowing things about my city and how much live shit came from Philly. It's like, why would I ever want to go anywhere else? Then on top of that, it's like, why aren't we getting the respect that I feel like we deserve? Like, it was times where, you know, Muhammad Ali lived in Philly for a time. Um, David Ruffin lived in Philly for a time. Like, people used to come to Philly and just like, you know, this is feel like I, I have to be here. And it's not, it, it, it's not like that anymore. And I really feel like it should be. And I feel like I'm in a position where when it turns back into that, I'll be at the forefront of it. It'll be like, yo, chill, help turn this city around. Like, it ain't got to be all me. But, you know what I mean? Know that I was part of that. And, um... I just take pride in, in having something that, you know, my nephews can look up to and, you know, my family and my cousins, my little cousins can be like, yo, my big cousin did that. Like that, that'd be live to me. So I, I, that's all it's really about is just that respect and, you know, them, them personal accolades. Mm. Mm. Now, was there ever a point in time when you were, where, uh, where you thought about possibly leaving Philadelphia to pursue uh, your career? Nah, actually not. Um, 
the only only time you know was was college where it was like yo I got to get back to Philly because I went to college at Millersville, which is like maybe an hour and a half two hours if you drive slow from Philly. So it was like yo I got to get back to Philly, put my feet on the ground and get this thing popping. That was the only time I ever thought about moving with the music, and that wasn't you know that was nothing but going back home. But no, I never thought about you know of course like traveling and shit like that. But mm-hmm. this is home. This is home base. Mm-hmm. Now, when you first uh, started um, getting your first shows, um, like in Philly, where are some of the places where you uh, performed at? Uh, I mean, the first, what happened was um, I didn't really know nothing about, you know, getting booked for shows and stuff like that. So we just start booking our own shows. Um, mm-hmm. So my first <laughs> shows were joints that we did ourselves at um, a spot called Mill Creek Tavern in Southwest. Oh, yeah. Know. Yeah, we used to have them Jones at Mill Creek, dog. <laughs> so, you know, we used to do them there. And, you know, I had a couple of friends that was artists. I'd put the bill together. So, like, and, you know, we just headline or whatever. So, my first shows was like that. And um, I never really turned back from that. Like, and then after that, like, you know, venues like the TLA, the Hard Rock Cafe. Um, I'm the first hip-hop artist in Philadelphia history to perform at City Hall. Mm. Um, just in... Like, just doors kept opening to more and more venues and places that hip-hop had never even been in the city. Like, um, if you're familiar with Philadelphia, is a, a museum called the Barnes Foundation, mm-hmm. which is really, like, no hip-hop culture at all is, like, allowed in there, kind of, sort of. Like, it's like, it's just not a place you see a lot of hip-hop people, not let, yeah. let alone hip-hop music. <laughs> um, and, you know, they, they invited me to come there and perform. And it's like, like, just... I guess selling out the venues that I performed at and, you know, not having no no fights and no murders or nothing crazy happen at no event. People like the word gets around. And um, like I was invited to do a TED talk and performed at a TED talk and, you know, yeah. got to talk a little bit at TEDx Philly. So just is I really like touched pretty much every venue in the city. But it all kind of started with just us saying, look, we don't know how this go. Let's just throw our own show and you know, we was at the bar drinking anyway. We just asked the boy, like, yo, can we use the stage? And he was like, yeah, book on event. That's really how it, that's really how it started. Mm. Now, um, now when you were um doing those shows, like like, you know, booking your own shows, how did you start developing a fan base? My family is huge. Mm-hmm. So at any given moment it's like thirty five people in there that are immediate family. Mm. Like, you know, my aunts, my cousins, and, you know, maybe go as low as, like, my cousin's closest friends, who is basically family anyway. So, that's, like, 30, 40 people right there anyway, like, from the the jump. And these ain't big venues. These is, you know, 125 max venues. So, from the beginning, the shows are looking packed. Mm. And, you know, I had merchandise. Like, I had everything that looked like I was an established, excuse me, an established artist from the beginning. And, um... I think like the second or third show, because before then we were just I I put the whole set together on a CD. Um, I was using like Cubase or something. I put that whole set together on a CD and just go there and put the CD in the house system. And um, I think the third show was when my DJ DJ Ricochet, um, he was the house DJ for the night, and you know he's been my DJ ever since. And that was like that was 2009. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but the fan base it just grew from that. And then also being a, being away at college. You know, when you go home from college during, you know, whatever break it is or whatever, it's the summer break, whatever, everybody goes home to somewhere else. So if I'm getting it popping at school, everybody's going home to talk about 
you know, this kid, Chill Moody, that's getting it popping at school. Um, by the way, he got a show in Philly. Everybody's close to Philly or, you know, in Philly or whatever. So it's like pulling fan bases from, from all the college, like my college constituents or whatever was, was pretty easy too. No. Um, so, so you were building your, your fan base through, you know, through these shows. So then how do you go from, um, from booking your own shows and then getting booked to do shows um, from other people to, uh, to getting on radio? Uh, the radio thing happened from, um, it was January 2nd, and they just started the new show on Philly Radio. It was called Philly Home Jams, and they were, you know, 30-minute show, middle of the night, and they were just about putting on for Philly artists, and this guy sent me a mm. Facebook message. It was it was similar to the MySpace thing. Like, he sent me a Facebook mm. message, and I thought <laughs> it was bullshit. I'm like, I never even heard of this guy. Like, he not really trying to... He not gonna play my shit on the radio. I sent him a song, and next thing I know, I'm up there. It was actually me and Freeway went up there, and um, you know, they played our music and interviewed us, and it's it's been like a snowball effect since then. Like I, I built a good relationship with the people at the station, just because we had common interest in making sure Philly was where it's supposed to be, um, and you know, built a good relationship with these people, and it wasn't ever hard to like get in contact with them and like, yo, check this out. And it wasn't like, yo, we grew up together, played my music. It was, yo, just met you, but check this out. This shit is dope. If you like it, play it. And it's been it's been that type of relationship with the radio, with all the stations um, since then, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I guess uh, this goes for uh, both of you because you just uh, mentioned Freeway. Um, what other, um, I guess, Philly artists do you have uh, relationships with? And like you know, build with and uh, do stuff with. Cause I, I did see your video. Um, you you did the track with Freeway and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So like, what other um artists like you know do you work with or communicate with on the regular? Especially you know you being the ambassador and uh, Wes, you being the producer. Pretty much, pretty much everybody. Like it's, it's it's nobody I can't get in contact with or doesn't know me or hasn't co-signed me. Like I've been co-signed from everyone from. Quest Love to Meek Mill. So mm. you see how different they are, but yeah. everyone in between that, you know, I've, I've been co-signed by, um, done a Roots Picnic a couple times. I got a track with Schoolie D. Me and Schoolie are real cool. Um, me, Schoolie D, and Tone Trump did a track actually called West Philly. And there's a yeah. video, video on YouTube for that. Uh, it's really not, it's really not somebody that I've, I've not talked to or not, you know, had a chance to build with or make music with. Um, at this point and it's always been just organic stuff like I never had no friends in music before I started making music if that makes mm. sense mm. Mm. and uh, for you Wes um, like uh, uh, what other artists do you work with uh, for the most part I kind of work with kind of in house uh, people there's some other outside folks that I work with from time to time I mean I've done some stuff with Philly uh, people uh, like I remember I did um, uh, the intro of um, I forget which one it was I think it was one of the uh, albums Forever Do Me 4 like, right. so, uh, yeah I did it and I did a couple of joints with him actually on another mixtape um, did some tracks a couple of stuff I actually got some stuff of the works with the kid Dosage who was doing a project with Jazzy Jeff who's one of my cool little young boys um, but also like a lot of underground artists for the city even some of the established ones like I kind of got little things where you know contact we supposed to link up and do some work or some stuff you know is either in the tuck or things like that but a lot of cases i kind of keep it 
homegrown. I like to do, because to me, I like to do whole projects. That's my thing. Mm-hmm. So it'll be some times where I send some people some stuff and they'll be like, yo, I need you know people to see me out and show if I'm with chill. So I'm like, yo, send me some stuff. But I'll send a few things out to certain artists. But my thing is I really embody, really like to do projects, whether it's like a small EP or it doesn't necessarily have to be a whole album because I really like that whole organic foundation of building something together, kind of seeing it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I guess um, another question for both of you guys. I was curious if you guys um, know anything about house that are all throughout Philadelphia. Say it one more time. Um, the the uh, the Toyn B tiles. They're like these little tiles, like in the middle of the street, all throughout the city. Uh, I don't nah. know. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> right. Okay. All right, well, I'm, I'm asking because um, I heard about um other uh, other uh, the Philly rapper Lush Life, and he apparently he made some type of like 10, 12 minute song dedicated to these tiles that are all throughout like various cities. Supposed to be, um, I think that they were originally made in, in Philadelphia, and I know that Chill Moody, you're from you're from West Philly, right? Yeah. Um, and there are about like nine of them uh, all throughout like the street in certain areas, um, in West Philly, and even some I think by City Hall, since you know since since you're there quite a bit. Right. And you said um, tiles. Yeah, they're like the they look like they they look like a like like a license plate. In a sense, but then they they may have like some type of like weird philosophical you know saying oh, on it. Oh, you're talking about the um like the, they like plaques a little bit like the um yeah 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 the, yeah the blue and blue and yellow joints. Yeah, like the, they, they he's talking about the street sign joints um west that uh, um it'll say like you know American Bandstand was recorded here. And oh, they the did a whole joint. Yeah. Oh no joint. no oh no no not no. Them. You know, not, no, not those. Like, like these things, like, are, are literally embedded in the street, like in the middle of a street, and they're from like cars just like driving over, over it, like for years, and they like appear like in the mid '90s or something like that in Philly. I'm completely not lost. Up on that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't believe now, now you're gonna have, now you gonna have me looking in the street when I'm walking around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, ah, yeah, I'm gonna have to look down. I can send you guys a link to it. Yeah, I'm familiar with Lush Life too, so I'm, I'm I, I can check check for it. But yeah, I know oh, okay. no idea about that. I thought he was talking about the um, you know, the plaque joints that be like yeah, the mm-hmm. historical market joints. Yeah, um, historical market. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's about time you had one of those too. Um, and uh, one of the things that I wanted to um to ask you about is just your whole uh marketing and the way that you're able to get like certain uh sponsors and things like that because I saw that you have the Ben and Jerry's thing mm-hmm. and then uh the Jameson thing and then you have like your own line of water and everything like that. So right. um, um how are you uh I guess uh, able to 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 flip the rap into these uh, other type of branding opportunities, especially as an independent artist? Uh. I don't know. I, I, I've always been a type of person like you put me in a room with somebody. I'm going to get done what we need to get done. Um, I, I know how to speak to people. I, I treat people with respect. And, I, you know, I mean, I carry myself in a, in a way where you wouldn't be afraid to latch your brand onto me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's a conscious effort. You know, the music is if you listen to TV, maybe doing like really, really listen to it. I didn't even curse on a whole album except like once during like an ad lib or something like that. And that's like a real conscious decision um, 
based solely on the fact that my mom is promoting my music to her co-workers and I don't want to be like, you know, fuck these niggas on the fucking album. So when she's passing music to people. So um, I think they see that and they understand, you know, more or less this is the safe rapper. And mm. um, and that and that's been ways I've been able to to link with certain brands where hip hop hasn't been. And then in, in other instances, it's just, you know, just pro- providing um product that is proper like that you you would like i said you wouldn't mind latching your brand to this so you know jameson sees me you know drinking that product all the time when i finally reached out to them like formally they let me know they had been watching me for two years i didn't even know that and they were like yo no we're fans like we've been watching for two years we like the way you've been moving and they invited me to perform at the bartender's ball and that he sponsored pretty much anything I, i need them to do um the ben jerry's thing was just the most random shit ever like i'm july 4th I'm on a parkway. We got you know the big um, Wild Wild Welcome America festival, and I walk past this Ben and Jerry's truck, and I'm an ice cream fanatic. I'm like, fuck, I'm gonna get some ice cream. Go over there. Next thing I know, they tweeting me. Chill Moody just came by the ice cream truck to show us love, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, damn, why well, didn't say nothing there? I could have got some free ice cream. <laughs> like, just paid seven dollars for this scoop. Like, but anyway, they um. I, hmm. I you know I tweeted them back. They followed me. I hit them in the DMs, and they like you know. Would you like your own flavor? I was like, huh? And you're like, well, we got this program where we do custom flavors. You got a, uh, we know you got a scholarship that you're you're building because I got, you know, I'm started the Nice Things Foundation. I got a Nice Things scholarship for incoming freshmen at my um at alma mater, my alma mater, Millersville University. Next fall, it's gonna start. So they reached out to me and was like, yo, we do these benefit nights. You make your own flavor. You know, you know, you make everything. Like I had a pints. Like I'd be like Jimmy Fallon on the front of them Jones. And, um, you know, shit pick up so they get its own flavor. So it's, it's going to be called Philadelphia, And I'm thinking it's coming out next month. What's it, September? Yeah, next month we're going we gonna to launch. Wow, that's what's good. But it all now, just happens from just, you know, reaching out to people, not being afraid to talk to people. And, I don't, uh, you know, it's, it's really no formula. Mm. It's just every, every, everything has been different. Now, when it comes to some of your um, conscious decisions, when it comes to, um, I guess, you know, not cursing and kind of being a safe rapper, um, and I know you like you have the whole drunk chill thing as well. Um, do you ever feel like you have to, uh, I guess, compartmentalize your personality into like different boxes? Nah, uh, like I'm, I'm, I'm me all the time and I don't I don't censor the message. I'm just not cursing. So I'm still talking about drinking and smoking weed every now and then or whatever, but I'm just not being vulgar about the shit. I'm I'm a little too 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 clever to even have to do that. Like you know, it, it takes a little bit more to go around the easy way out and just be like you know, just dropping f bombs all day. So I'm not you know censored in the message, but it's just I don't I don't I don't use the the vulgar language because it sticks out, mm. and you know people are, are wary of putting hip-hop in certain places anyway so the first thing they hear even if you threw one in there they gonna hear that because that's what they was waiting for anyway so I, I just understand all of that but um i'm me all the time like i'll wear sweatpants to city hall and they'll accept me the same way as if i put on it they'll probably look funny look at me funny if i came in with a suit or something like that like that's not chill mm-hmm. and yeah so people people you know 
Like West, remember they all used to tell me to up. Oh, I had to stop wearing oh, flip flops yeah. on the camp <laughs> Like I Take wear off that book bag, a weird Gucci yeah. bag. Nigga. I put on a book bag and some flip flops and you know what I mean? shorts. my socks don't match. Ball shorts, like, and that's just what I do. And people accept that. But the drunk chill shit was just, you know, more of a marketing ploy than anything. But it really mm. was just I was sounding off on rappers one day, and I didn't want to offend anybody, so I just was like, I'm drunk. What can y'all do? <laughs> I, I actually made that made that Twitter at a bar on my man's iPad. I was like, let me see iPad real quick. I make a new Twitter and I made drunk shit. Hmm. Now, um, when it comes to uh, voicing your opinions about um, uh, different rappers and things like that, um, and you know your opinions on hip hop, because you know I know that you like, uh, I guess you know like more lyrical based hip hop and stuff like that. Um, um, how sensitive are you in your in your opinions and uh, voicing them in, in in different venues and things like that? Uh, not really censored at all. Like if something's whack, that shit is whack. But I like I'm my musical taste is like really eclectic. Like it's it's especially as far as hip hop. Like I'll recite a whole Most Def album and then recite a whole Two Chains album. Like I listen to everything. Mm-hmm. So I'm not gonna be like, oh, I hate this new this new Gucci man that came out. I fucking love Gucci man. But some shit I just don't like and I'll even say it and, you know, the only, I guess, censored thing comes in is if like, I'm not gonna sound off on Twitter on no Philly niggas or nothing like that. Like, you take care of that in home. Like, I'm not gonna ever in-house. I'm not gonna ever like, um, you know, stun on nobody from Philly. But, um, I sound like Cameron. I was like, I gave you some niggas from yeah. D.C., but Harlem, yeah. Harlem is home. <laughs> yeah. I'm still going to be the king. I'm still going to be the king when I go. But that's how I feel. Like, I, you know, you take care of that in-house. But, um, yeah, I, I'm not really censored in my in my views because I'm a fan first. So, like, what can you say? I'm not, like, this shit's not hot to me or this shit is hot to me. Like, I show people love on Twitter all day that I have no, no ties to at all. Like, I'm a fan. I can't help it. Mm-hmm. Of um, uncensorship, um, going back to TV made me do it, and listening to uh, to Ocean's Forty Eighty, um, you mentioned um, Robert Greene's the the Nineteenth Law to the Forty Eight Laws of Power, and then um, going back to I think your first album, uh, uh, Running from Running from Myself, mm-hmm. and in the intro I believe you uh, you you mentioned uh, the 48 laws. So I was curious to know, um, has the 48 laws, uh, been, you know, has it made an impact on your career and how you used it and like move through life? What if I said, I don't even know what the 48 laws are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That'd be funny. I'm lying, but that'd be funny. But no, I, mean, I, <laughs> no, I read, I read that shit religiously. Like, um, to the point where I just have like a, in my notes on my, um, on my phone, I just have like, kind of like cliff notes to the whole 48 laws and mm-hmm. i just I, I revert back to them religiously like i'm i'm all about just understanding that things like the art of war art of seduction like understanding that that shit ain't necessarily just just for what it was meant for like those those are metaphors that can you know connect through all walks of life so you know i'm a nerd i read mm-hmm. a lot so um it's just you know that, that stuff just comes out naturally because I, I've read it so much and I continue to read it so much. But it, it's weird that a lot of people don't pick up like that's a, a overlying theme in a lot of my music. Like I, I'll go back to them and I'll, to the to those to those laws in a lot of bars. 
until I use like all forty eight, and then I'm like, all right, I've used them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because because like even like on um, I was curious to know like um on Facts of Life, that was story. <laughs> Please tell me that shit was like you know it was just a story. Hey Wes, Wes, you want to tell him? <laughs> I got I got this man. You know. Oh man. <laughs> all right. So. <laughs> A lot of it is rooted in like some kind of joke in some things. All right, so the whole thing is, um, I used to be a strip club dude a lot. Like me and me talk about uh, Hank McCoy, whatever. We used to do this thing on Fridays where basically after work we would go to happy hour, but then a happy hour with the strip club would be included in it. That was our Friday routine: go drink, go to a strip club, to chill, go and then go somewhere after that. So we all went for chill birthday to this uh, club. Chill's not a strip club dude at all. So we go groupy. What it was like around nine of us or eight? It, yeah, it was Bird birthday. It was Bird birthday. It was Bird birthday. Yeah. yeah. So we all went out there deep. Um, and we in there bugging out around the table, chilling. You know, this chill actually eating a burger at the spot, which is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. They um, had this pretzel burger. That shit was live. <laughs> so <laughs> we got, you know, shorties around talking to us. And this one stripper joint just sat on my lap. So, I don't know, she's just talking her head off. I'm like, I hope this young don't think I'm about to dance until with her because that's, you know, it's not really jumping off right now. But this shit just sat on my lap and literally started having a conversation with me. And she really, what was it, like an hour? Like, she was yeah, on my lap? She, she sat on this nigga lap for, I don't know, like a whole album's worth of songs. And, like, <laughs> I just keep hearing little tidbits of the conversation. And it's like, and I'm also just making up my own shit, but I'm hearing like, you know, my dad this and school this and that. Like she's spilling her life oh out there. And he's not pulling out no money. He's like, what are you doing here? Like, go away. So <laughs> I'm laughing. So I start writing bars about this shit, like in the middle of the strip club. So I hit him afterward. I show him afterwards. I'm like, yo, I'm writing a song about you. It's um, you know, I would call it I, I forgot what I said I was gonna call it, but this was before TV made me do it. And then, um, fast forward, we start working on the project. I still had these bars. He sent me that beat. And, um, it was another story from another one of our friends who will go, you know, nameless. Yeah, but, nameless. um, <laughs> a lot of those other stories in that, in that, in those verses, you know, resonate with him. Yeah. So, we <laughs> okay. just named it. Including the bottle? No, 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 no. Now that, now that no, part, but he's that's for movie. But he's been kicked out okay. of strip clubs. He actually, yeah, I gotta yeah. tell you, Joe. He actually had another situation this weekend. Oh, I, I tell you about oh, that. Oh man! But yeah, yeah. so that that like he was the guy that go to the strip clubs at lunch. Yeah, and you know, oh. just, just parlay at the buffet. So he um, so you know, we named the song "The Facts of Life," just going with the the TV made me do a thing, but spell facts a certain way because it was just live to do it that way, and um. After the song was laid, I was like, yo, I got to add this um this Players Club shit because it kind of reminds me of that. And that's where the whole bottle incident and all of that oh. came from. Kind of put that whole, you know, when the boy was following her home and shit like that. But, yeah, that song had... <laughs> oh, you know, that, okay. That's, right. been, that's been years in the making right there. <laughs> yeah. All right, because, like, I was listening to it and I'm like, okay, all right. And then, like, when... The bottle thing happened toward the end. I'm like, okay. And then I was like trying to like to figure out some type of like, you know, TV show or like incident on, on a TV show that kind of relates to it. And I couldn't figure it out. Right. Yeah. It was just tying into what could have happened at the end of that Players Club shit. Because the, the whole TV made me do it shit is just shit that you've seen on TV. So it could be a movie. 
it could be TV, it could be sports, it could be a sitcom, whatever. But it's shit that you probably saw on TV. So you know, Players Club is a is a BT classic. They show that shit all the time, <laughs> just like a New Jack yeah. City with the Kareem Akbar and shit like that. So it's just anything that could have been on TV. Mm-hmm. Okay. An an original ending to that song. Was oh cool. man, because. <laughs> originally chill but into a real dark place like it, it, it was some weird spoken word shit it got real ominous and it was yo. just like he was recorded and we're looking like what yo, he was like yo was... Just, just let me do it I, I got an idea and I was like alright just go ahead and rock out and when he did it we all looked at each other like what the fuck is this yeah, like that, dog that was, that was a classic um, when keeping it real goes wrong moment and it was also a good time <laughs> Not to have yes men. I'm glad I have no yes men because they was like, no, delete that shit. <laughs> they was like, we let you record it, we let you get that out, but that shit was weird. Let's never talk about that. Anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I was listening to too much Childish Gambino. I think that's what it was, yo. Mm. At that time. <laughs> Thinking of like, like coming from this dark place and like li- listening through like you know running from myself. Were you really in a dark place during that time? No, no, no. I'm, I'm a, I'm a happy person. I'm never really, you know, in a dark place. I, I get in my own way sometimes about worrying about shit or doubting myself about shit. But nah, mm-hmm. my life is good. I, I, I pay my bills from rhyming words together. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, I'm, I'm great. Okay. And one thing I did, um, Pete was, um, I think on YouTube there was a documentary when you were going to the, uh, what was it, the uh, Hot 97 show. Mm-hmm. And um, you were um, having difficulty getting there. And then um, one thing that really stuck out to me is how, you know, even though you might have had like a little anxiety about it and everything like that, you still had to put that game face on for your band and make sure that everybody around was, you know, comfortable and everything like that. And I was just like, you know, that's like some leadership type stuff right there. Yeah, because if they see me salty and they see me mad, they going, they going to automatically get out of their zone. And I can't, I can't have that. Yeah. So, um, how how often does that type of uh, situation happen where you might be feeling a certain type of way, but you just have to put your game face on for the team? Once a show, once a show. Wes, how much? How much? How many times does it rain? Oh, he, he's Sean Kemp. He's the rain man. <laughs> it's I'm, ridiculous. I'm, I'm really at like a 89 to a 92 percent chance of rain if I'm performing. Mm. And this is no exaggeration. It's all documented on Instagram. And I, I talk about it every time. They call me the rain god at this point. Like, it's going to rain every time I have a show. And if it's not rain, it's going to be some some type of water or something in my goddamn way. Like, one time <laughs> that really stands out. And I'm getting mad talking about it. But it, 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 this was something that really could have, like, launched some nice things for me. I had a show at the TLA. It was uh, myself, Rhapsody, J Electronica, and Common. Mm-hmm. Damn. That, that oh, lineup yeah, is that... fucking sick. And the show was sold out. So I'm I'm walking into a sold out performance with me, Rap, Jay Alec, who who hasn't performed in Philly since I think the first made in America mm. in Common. And on top of that, my keyboard player, you know, helped put Common's band together and my homie from West Philly DJs for Common. So I know Common's gonna watch my set. And I know everybody's, you know. I, I've, I've met Rhapsody a couple times. She's probably going to watch my set. So I'm like amped for this. I'm headed to soundcheck. Two, maybe three o'clock in the afternoon. Headed to soundcheck. I get a call from my cousin. She's like, yo, 
the TLA, the venue is at, the TLA is flooding. I'm like, what do you mean the TLA is flooding? Mind you, it's a beautiful day outside. <laughs> no rain, nothing. I'm like, wow, everything's finally looking up for me. Like, let's go. Said the TLA is flooding. I'm like, what do you mean and how do you know? I forgot my cousin works at the water department. They called her, told them they was flooding. She said, well, my cousin got a show there tonight. She's not even worrying about calling the right people that she got to call. She called me. I pull up to the I pull up to the venue. I never seen such sad faces on these people at the venue, and everybody's just like just like sorry, sorry, chill. Like the whole whole basement of the venue flooded, um, water main busted, canceled the show, and there was no rescheduling of that show. Oh man! And that was that was last year or early? No, that was last year, like October. Mm. Yeah. And um, there was no rescheduling of that show. And that was really going, you know, set me in a, in a good trajectory. Because the day after that, they had a show in New York. And my plans was to kill this one, get invited to the New York show, and then go on a tour, all of that shit. But um, water, water fucks me up. And I, I try to keep the gang faces as, as best as I can. But that one right there hurt me. I was, I was upset in there. And everybody saw it. But it, it, was, it was no coming back from it. Damn. Damn. So... What about your performance at the Roots picnic and um and this fan biting you on the arm? Uh, <laughs> ha, ha, have you met this fan ever since uh, no, that happened? No, 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 never seen that. Never seen that girl again. Um, that was that was a crazy night. And if you see the, I got a video on YouTube talking about it. Um, bath salts was out around then. I thought something was going down. I thought she was on zombie mood right then, and I was like. I was nervous as a motherfucker when she bit me, but I was, <laughs> I just tried to make sure the fan was cool. Like it was, it was like, and that was another time with water. Like it rained. Oh, it was, yeah. it was a, it was a monsoon at the goddamn roots picnic while I was performing. And right when I was finished, maybe like 20 more minutes after that, nothing before I went on stage, nothing while I'm on stage pouring down rain. I'm like, yo, that, I don't believe in coincidence. That worked in your anyway. favor though. Yeah. Now that time it worked in my favor because <laughs> You know, it was already, say, like 2,000 people in the tent, but Major Lazer's performing outside, so everybody else is outside. Mm. When it started raining, everybody came in, and next thing you know, it's about 5,000 in that tent, and I'm, yeah. you know, and I'm rocking. I'm in, I'm in prime mode right then. Billboard Magazine wrote about me and everything then, so that rain worked in my favor then, but it's still, it's still just funny that the rain just continuously just follows <laughs> every time. <laughs> That's crazy. It rained in Cali when I went out there to perform for yeah, the Grammys yeah. this year. It rained in Cali last year. Rained in Cali, Hollywood Boulevard. I'm standing out there and it's fucking raining. And they like, yo, Damn. it hasn't rained here in months. Like, what are you doing? Rained this time when I went. I ain't performed, but I was out there. It rained. It just rains all the time. You could say California. Yeah, yeah, about, about to that's say what somebody. Yeah, that's California. what they said. I should start just marketing it and just, you know, going to do the rain dance everywhere. Rain dance. South I mean, by Southwest and rain in Texas when I performed. A3C rain down there when I performed. It, it legit rains every time I do some age. Like I say, like 89 to like 92%. Well, you do have your own line of water, so you market it by saying that you're the rain man or some shit. The water, the water came in the middle of all of that. And that was just like a, yeah, we might as well. Shit, the water's following me. We might as well, but that started as like, you know, a branding opportunity. They, the company reached out and they were like, you know, we want you to market our water. And I'm like, I'll do it. But I need my own like bottle. Like I need my own signature like line of it pretty much. So it's all natural, you know, artesian water bottled at the source. 
that's like commercial mood chill. But it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's like a, a eight pH, whatever the lavish pH is, it's that. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's the best. It's the best. It's the best one. Whatever one you want. No, but it's just live. <laughs> it said, um, they got it at Whole Foods. Come on, man. My water popping. <laughs> live oh, <laughs> Man, all you need is most dev to like come out doing you one of your sets and just and perform and uh and do a new world water. That's all you need. I got a I got a I got a funny most deaf story. Oh man. I was with Most Deaf when he recorded um was it his niggas in Paris freestyle? Mm. Uh, I'm trying to think of what freestyle he did off Watch the Throne. He kinda like came in hove and Beyonce a little bit in it. But I was with him then and you know that was my first time like really meeting him and everything. And a couple weeks after that, he came to the Roots Picnic. And we're backstage at the Roots Picnic. We talking. And I had gotten to a, a slight altercation with somebody at the Roots Picnic. And I'm telling the story. And most is there listening to the story and everything. He's cracking up. And he, he looks at me. He's like, yo, you remind me of this nigga named I God. And I said, who? And he said, you remind me of this nigga named I God. He grew up around us. He was the first nigga I ever heard use the word this. And I'm like, huh? He's like, why you dissing me? Like, disrespect. He was the first nigga I heard say that. But he was a little nigga like you, but he had a lot of heart. So you remind me of this nigga named I God. I'm going to call you I God. I'm like, yo, this is fucking hilarious. <laughs> it's me, most Death for Freeway. We went, like, went to eat or something after that. People like, yo, what is chill doing with Mo's Death for Freeway? I'm like, I'm I God, nigga. What do you mean? I'm out here. Now, do you, um, like, you know, when you meet people and, you know, you say that you're a fan of music and everything, have you ever had, like, a crazy fan out moment um i'm trying to think when i fanboyed i fanboyed twice once <laughs> which was bad um <laughs> recipe sean price oh man sean p reached yeah. out to me on the twitter um this was years ago and you know i hit him back or whatever and you know he dm'd me we should do some music whatever uh-huh. and I just went straight fanboy mode. I'm like, yo, here go my number. Hit me up. I got an idea for a track right now. Boom, boom, boom. I'm like over the top. And like, it didn't happen after that. And then like a little bit later, like a couple years later, we crossed paths again. And like, it was more organic then. And I was a little bit more relaxed at that point. And I didn't really fanboy on him like that. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because we were working on music the week before he passed. Oh, um, man. Me and, me and Wes... Wes actually just we just recorded the track to send up to him and it might have been like a week maybe like five days and the the news came out and we me and Wes was just like damn like we just was talking because we was going to go up to the um what ended up being a memorial show but it was the the album release party like we had plans for all of that shit and and the news came so that was kind of crazy but I met and I met Ed Sheeran last july 4th not this mm. year but last year and i sat and talked to ed sharon for about 30 minutes i don't remember what i was talking about but <laughs> the james I, I was i was tripping that night that was the, the, <laughs> the next day i started my 100 100 days of sobriety um because i woke up with pictures with me and ed sharon and me and the mayor and i didn't remember <laughs> i didn't remember seeing the mayor the night before I was like, oh, I was drinking with the mayor. I had a cup in my hand and everything. I'm like, I don't remember seeing the mayor last night, but oh, I guess I, I guess I did. What's your uh, relationship like with the mayor? 
uh, it's just, you know, one of them, when I see him, he knows who I am. I know who he is. Mm. We bust it up. It depends on what, what, um, atmosphere we in. You know, yeah. if it's at City Hall, it's at City Hall, and it's just a quick handshake. How you doing? How you been? Keep it moving. But if it's like, we was at the party, the Roots after party for, um, July 4th, and that night, like, everybody was loose, but I got a little out of hand. That was, <laughs> I'm, I'm forcing everybody to take shots, and I'm just, <laughs> Ah, socially bad. belligerent chill yeah it, it was bad it was bad i was blackout drunk my phone was dead like it was it was a bad night <laughs> but yeah ed sharon ed sharon just talked about the game like the rapper the game for about 15 minutes i remember that wow. he like he knows the game is like his fans as a fan of the game and has worked with him and all the shit like knows like game album cuts and shit it was it was a weird ass conversation <laughs> but yeah, he's he's a, that's when you found out he was a hip-hop head right right mm. that's that's crazy man um, um any collaboration uh prospects in the future with ed i would love to but no nah, not right now but um <laughs> that would be crazy i'm i'm like a huge ed sharon fan that guy he can rap too so that, oh. that guy's pretty fucking cool yeah 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 um, what's your uh, relationship with Schooly D? Uh, from after the track that we did, that West Philly track, me and Schooly just like kind of hit it off. It's like you know, like we just was cool. He came to the, used to come to the crib if my mom was cooking out or whatever. He come through. Um, this guy is a dessert fiend. Like he loves all desserts. Like so, he's big plates of cake and all kind of stuff. But um, Schooly is like I think. Other than like, it's like Questlove, DJ Premier, and Schoolie D, and like Guru, Young Guru, are like the best storytellers I think in hip hop. Like Schoolie got so many stories, it's ridiculous. And like the 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 focal point of the story would be like, I don't know, something about some sneaks he copped, but he'll throw something in there like, yeah, so it's me, Prince. Um, you know, blah blah blah. But anyway, I had these kicks on. Like he, like he just throw <laughs> shit in there like that. I'm like, what do you mean you was with Prince? Like, yeah, I was always with Prince, but whatever. That's not important. But like, he just tells these like cool ass, like intricate stories and like just a lot of funny like anecdotes in the middle of the stories and shit. Schooly, schooly, schooly shit. And he's he's such a young spirit. Like every time I see Schooly, it's just it's just all love. So that and that's actually how I found out about about this podcast from just. Listening to the um, just keeping up with shit that he was doing or whatever, um, you know he's doing art now and everything. So I seen I seen it come across my time. I was like, oh, schoolie, let me check this out, and mm-hmm. just listen to their whole joint and was just cracking up. Like this is <laughs> this is he's giving y'all classic schoolie like just just everything. And he he wasn't holding nothing back, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we we had to hear about a, a whole entire conversation about him cooking fish before we started our recording. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, he was real into that fish. I was like, man, like <laughs> I don't even eat fish, but I might eat. Yeah, like he'll make you like whatever he's talking about, like whatever he's talking about. But we we worked on a couple records aside from that one that um that West Philly John. They just never never really came out. But um, yeah, schooly schoolies on me. Mm-hmm. How well? How is it working with the Schooly D? You know, song wise and everything like that. Um, it's just it's just always dope. Like any any like old head legend. Like I've worked with EST. Um, mm. it's just it's just always dope because 
the stories, like the jewels that they drop on you. Even like a freeway, and freeway not you know that much more of my old head. Music wise, he's my old head, and um, but he's like um, they always just got jewels and like little gems. Like I did this, don't do this, don't don't do that because it's you know this was the wrong way or learn from this or do this because it was dope that I did this or whatever. But like they always got like good stories. And then these guys' work ethic is like, you know, any any Philly like legend or whatever, they got, you know, good, really, really solid work ethic. Like schoolies just in and out doing this thing. Freeway came to the studio at I think it was seven, seven forty five, maybe eight o'clock in the morning. Played the song for him. He he listened to the beat two times and just went and laid the verse. Never wrote nothing. Had never heard the beat before. Nothing like that. And he was just like, and it was one take. And then he was Damn. like, "Yo, that he was like, yo, that's cool." And I'm like, "The fuck you mean? Yeah, it's cool." Like, <laughs> did the ad libs, and he was in and out. Like, well, I played, I played them an album after that, but like, that, it was like a quick joint. Est, that guy's a fucking genius. Like, this guy's pen is crazy. The way he he formulates shit is dope. But like, I just like sitting around talking to these niggas all the time. Like, they they really really cool old heads. Now, um, now what's What's uh, next on the horizon for you? Um, because I know you have the label, and it's funny that you said that, um, that you know, originally, or not even originally, but, you know, you kind of wanted to be kind of behind the scenes, and now you're uh, starting your label, and you're pushing uh, artists and stuff like that. So um, do you have, like, another project that you're working on, or you're more focused on uh, on your business ventures? Uh, I focus on everything at the same time. I got ADD, so I can, mm-hmm. I can, do, I can do everything at the same time. Um, so I'm, you know, pushing these projects from from these artists I got, you know, in the, in the chamber coming up um, and really just focusing on TV made me do it right now. Mm. We coming into what me and Wes want to call like the fall lineup. Like, you know, our TV got its summer lineup and the fall yeah. lineup. So in the fall version of TV made me do it, you're going to see more visuals from the project. Mm-hmm. Um, got a November funk video coming out, a video for channel surfing. And working on this video for um, I Can't Stay, which is really, really going to be cool. Like, I wrote this really good story for the video, so that's going to be dope. But um, it's going to be, like, more visuals. We got a track-by-track, like, breakdown of the whole album that really, like, I think people that like the album are going to love these track-by-track breakdowns. Because, like, it's just me and Wes Uncensored talking about how... (laughs) We it's came drinking. up with this shit, and, we, <laughs> and it's funny because we did it track by track. So, like by like track nine, we already drunk. We started drinking <laughs> before we started recording, and we're drinking gradually throughout the whole thing. Yo, it gets it gets funny. So I can't wait to uh, see that. Yeah, I think I think we're gonna drop them on um like on Apple Music. I'm working all of that out now, but when when those come out, I think people are gonna really just come back to the project and you know even if if they haven't had it before they're going to go get it and if they got it they're going to listen again but the fall lineup is really going to be focused on getting it outside of philly so you know going to dc going to la going to atlanta and like having little events where we could talk to the people and share the project with them or whatever whatever um and aside from that i'm just i'm always recording new music me and hank are working on new shit um i'm working with critical on some things uh just working with a bunch of artists um writing writing stuff trying to you know get placements with the labels and things like that but everything I, I, i'm always just doing so much shit mm. now it seems like um 
because I noticed, like, you know, you have, like, a lot of videos, a lot of content, just a lot of things going on. It seems like your team, your team is uh, really strong. Um, and I was just wondering if you could speak to, uh, to like, some of the people that you have around you and how you kind of structure everything. Hmm. It's a weird question. Let me speak. <laughs> <laughs> um, because, you know, like, just, I feel like... Um, I think, you know, a lot of times independent artists feel like they have to uh, do, like, everything on their own. And, you know, a lot of times people aren't necessarily good at delegating responsibilities and things right. like that. I see what you're saying. Um, well, you know, first off, it's like, I don't know, it's just a, it's, it's a, it's a lot of components. And it, mm -hmm. it, it, it kind of depends on, it's like situational. So if it's like, you know, a show... You know, Johnny Black might help me out with that or, or you know, reaching out to somebody, you know, you know, Spit got that on lock. But, um, you know, it might be something that Drunk Chill is handling. Mm. And that's really how it is. Like sometimes, <laughs> you know, that guy's doing the business. Um, my attorney, Berg, Berg is is a, a beast out here. Berg does a lot of shit yeah. and moves a lot of pieces for me. Um, my sister, L, she's another one of the people that just moves a lot of pieces but it's like it's hard to like it's it's just a team like it's exactly what you're saying it's just everybody does everything everybody does whatever's needed to get whatever's needed to be done done so it's like you know west west is pulling strings for things like it's whoever whoever i can reach out within within the the house that is um that believes in what's going on is going to is going to make it happen and and with the label you know we you know, I got like interns and shit, which is kind of cool because <laughs> I never had interns, so that's fun. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just we're 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 well, the reason I say it's a weird question because we're actually like in the process of trying to find like a a professional that can do these things. You know, somebody that's actually in the industry as opposed to us just figuring it out on our own. Um, and it might not be the answer, but it might be. So. We won't know until we try it, but that's why I said it was like kind of a weird question. Mm -hmm. That's what's up, man. It's like it's like um, it's it's cool to see like you know how everything is kind of a work in progress, but the work gets done. Um, and um, you know we're definitely uh feeling um, you know TV made me do it and everything like that. Um, Wes, uh, do you have anything that you're uh, working on now in terms of like like full life projects for people or like beat tapes or anything? Um, got a couple of beat tape ideas that I got in the works, a um, couple of little thematic joints, um, some other projects I'm kind of throwing around talking with people, it ain't really finalized yet, so I ain't really going to speak on that, but it's definitely a couple of um, little theme beat tapes I'm going to put out, um, kind of similar to what I did with the Marvin Gaye mix, where I kind of use one theme and kind of blend old and new, I probably do that with a couple other artists, uh, I mean other old artists and do that, but just little things in the works. Okay, that's what's up. Um, uh, I guess to uh, wrap everything up, um, I guess uh, plug all your social media and everything like that. Um, <laughs> well, um, what'd you say? Oh, it went out for a second. What'd you say? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, um, I was just saying, I guess to uh, wrap uh, everything up, um, if you want to plug like uh, any of your social media or anything like that where people can reach out to you. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, everything is Westman Child, Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud, Bandcamp. Basically, Google the name, things pop up. 
right. <laughs> and it's all it's all one word. West, not West. W e s m a n c h i l d. That's what's up. I think yeah. I'm changing my um Twitter to pissed off chill. Goddamn, <laughs> my goddamn lottery number came out today and I ain't play it. Oh man. Oh I'm pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I don't even know why I just checked this just now. Damn, that hurts. <laughs> oh, that's a hurt piece. Mm. My fault, y'all. Oh, <laughs> you can follow me everywhere at Chill Moody, C H I L L M O O D Y, uh, chillmoody.com, Twitter, Instagram. I don't have a Snapchat or any of that other young bullshit. No disrespect to Snapchat because they might have a check for me one day, but right. I don't really understand it. But um, yeah, I'm on everything at Chill Moody. You can Google it, iTunes. The project is available. All across the board, TV made me do it. It's on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, Spotify, Tidal, Apple Music. Um, what else they got out? Pandora. It's on everything. That's what's up. Don't and look that. out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also follow Nice Things Music um, and look out for the announcement probably in the next next week or so about, um, about you know, the first artist who I've divulged that information on this podcast already. <laughs> but... <laughs> For the rest of everybody else, it'll be on there. Okay, that's what's good. I mean, we'll definitely uh, add the links up on Channel Ten Podcast dot com and um, and uh, blast it out, especially uh, when we drop the episode and all of that. Um, so yeah, I guess to wrap everything up, thank you guys so much. It's definitely been an honor to have you guys on the podcast. And yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, you know, you know, anytime you uh, have anything to plug or anything. It's definitely your home, and anytime you're in the DMV, have anything going on uh, down in uh, Oklahoma or whatever, just hit us up, and I will try sure. to fly through. And um, and I guess uh, that's a wrap. So, uh, Chill Moody, West Man Child, TV made me do it. Go check it out now. And with that, we out. Peace. All right. Peace. Feeling this here. Yeah, son, you feel it, man. Roll up, son. You gotta just do it, yo. Yo, roll up, man. It's a different channel, son. Roll up, on, man. Roll up, watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. It's all good. Roll up, all good, baby. In every hood, son. Roll up, yo. CNN, Network, Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, gather your face. Stay in place, yo. Crime lace. Cast more beef than Scarface. CNN, Network, Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas, this grown men. Bold face, gather your face. Stay in place, yo. Crime lace. Cast more beef.